And so we started thinking about using IoT sensors in summer of 19. We discovered that most businesses didn't have sensors deployed inside refrigeration because Wi-Fi and Bluetooth couldn't get a signal out reliably. The, the fridge or the freezer had a side with iron or steel or aluminum, and the side of the fridge or the freezer blocked Wi-Fi and Bluetooth signals. So we started thinking about maybe we can solve that and improve on that. We developed a new type of connectivity, or we used a new type of connectivity protocol, a long-range radio, to develop a solution that uses radio as opposed to Wi-Fi and Bluetooth. So our sensors use LoRa, long-range radio, to push signal out of the inside of refrigeration. Welcome to 20-Minute Leaders. Just sit back, relax, and learn from the leaders of today. It's a journey. Each one is different, unique, inspiring. Let's get started. 20-Minute Leaders is a proud supporter of Make-A-Wish Israel and Tech2Peace and is in proud collaboration with Secret Chord Ventures, J Ventures, Riverside FM, Fusion VC, Birthright Excel, J Impact, Leap, Google for Startups, and Hippo, and in media partnership with C-Tech. Welcome to another episode of 20-Minute Leaders. Meet Manik Suri. Manik is founder and CEO of Therma, a technology startup whose mission is to help protect our food, health, and planet. Therma builds safety and sustainability tools to eliminate food waste, improve energy efficiency, and reduce refrigerant emissions, protecting consumers and combating climate change. Therma is deploying across restaurants, retailers, distributors, and manufacturers worldwide with leading brands including McDonald's, Starbucks, Now Foods, 7-Eleven, and Marriott Hotels. Previously, Monique co-founded the Governance Lab, an innovation center at NYU that develops technology solutions to improve government. He has been recognized amongst the top 100 Harvard alumni in technology, a past affiliate of Harvard's Berkman Center for Internet and Society, and previously held positions at global investment firm D.E. Shaw Company and the White House National Economic Council. I'm so excited to uh, garner even more inspiration. And um, now that we're talking, you're the CEO of Therma. And after some, some really amazing experiences and education at some of the best places in the world, and, and you chose to spend so much of your time and effort dealing with sustainability and dealing with something that the world really needs. Your, your product uh, is operating in more than 5,000 restaurants looking at uh, IoT devices and how do we manage uh, information within our food ecosystem and how do we know what's happening behind the scenes so that things don't go astray. So I'm excited to dive into your own journey as well as that of Thermas and understand sort of what is it that you care about and how you solve it. So Mani, tell me a little bit about sort of your entrance to the entrepreneurial world. How did you discover food waste and IoT as something that is deeply important to you? I appreciate the question and definitely something, uh, you know, I, I think about now, never imagined I'd be working in refrigeration and, and the food supply chain. I think um, the journey was, uh, you know, kind of a long path, series of twists and turns as life often is. I started working on uh, policy uh, right out of law school. So in college, I thought I was going to study uh, political science and go and work in government. I ended up... Um, going to work in the private sector for a few years at a big hedge private equity fund, was an investor, then went back to law school, uh, went to work in government doing economic policy in the Obama White House. And, um, you know, I discovered or learned 
about the space around tech for good, partly through a colleague of mine. There was a, a woman I was working with, Beth Novick. She was the deputy CTO in the first Obama administration. She had also oh, wow. in law school, as she jokes, a recovering lawyer. Uh, the best. <laughs> And uh, she'd written a book called WikiGov, uh, the Wiki government. Basically, the idea was that technology was transforming so much of life, how we dine, how we date, how we engage in everyday activity, but law and government and big public problems were still being solved like it's 1950. And so the idea behind the book was that, hey, you could build tech to solve some of these big problems that were broken and help improve sectors like regulation, compliance, and government. So I read the book, I listened to Beth talk, made a lot of sense. It was really inspired. Uh, this is 10 years ago. And uh, I decided to join her. Uh, instead of going to work in government, I left. And uh, when she left government, we started a center together at NYU and MIT, where she teaches, called the Governance Lab or GovLab. So that was how I got into tech. And uh, the idea that one could deploy network and data tools to solve problems uh, that have significant social impact. That was always something interesting to me. Uh, coming from a family that was largely service-oriented. Uh, my parents are both doctors. Three of my grandparents are doctors. Uh, so I had a lot of um, service in my culture, family culture, so to speak. There was always this idea that you should do something with your life that's more than just, you know, making your own situation better. Um, and so uh, sustainability was not a problem I thought a lot about as a kid. I first heard about climate change in the 90s, and I thought it was about the ozone layer getting depleted uh, yeah. and skin cancer. And then in college, this, um, you know, this famous movie came out um, called Inconvenient Truth by Al Gore. Um, and I went and heard him talk. He gave a talk at Harvard when I was an undergrad. Um, wow. Movie, but I thought, uh, and his son was actually a classmate of mine. Al Gore Jr. was a classmate of mine in college. But I thought that um, Senator Gore's book um, and the movie was really about a problem for the future. These were like problems that like a hundred years from now, people would have to worry about. And I grew up in California, largely in Northern California, a couple hours outside uh, San Francisco in the East, in the Central Valley. And I thought, uh, you know, sustainability was a problem that most in the developing world. But more recently in the last kind of six years uh, living in, in San Francisco, I started to experience some of this stuff firsthand. Um, there were wildfires in Napa a couple of years ago, one of the worst ever in the state. And I was staying up there with my wife. We got on vacation. We actually evacuated in the middle of the night wow. and drove through the wildfires with fire around wow. the sides. 18 fire trucks went by us. I mean, at 2 a.m., my parents evacuated twice in Fresno, California. There were wildfires 35 miles from our house where I grew up. Um, and it's seen kind of sustainability get worse and worse not just in the kind of news, but also in California where I live. And amongst many people I knew, it became a topic that people started talking about every year. Oh, it's fire season. Oh my God, there's a drought. There's, you know, lots of problems here. But, you know, this one, um, you know, around uh, the growing urgency became one that I saw firsthand. And so I guess there was a combination of intellectually knowing it was a big problem, uh, discovering it for the first time myself, as a person living in Northern California and traveling around and, and seeing it in the, you know, in the land around us. And then also, I think from a technology standpoint, when I was working on Dove Lab, we discovered that there was an opportunity to work on compliance and improve safety and sustainability in the food industry. 
And so I started working on food back in 2015, around the time that Chipotle was having a series of issues with um, food safety. I remember. And we started scaling um, the precursor to Therma, a product called Co-Inspect, and realized that a lot of the problem that businesses had was around managing temperature and all these perishables that they had, these inventory were getting spoiled or thrown out or lost and wasted. And when I started studying and researching food waste, I didn't realize it was this bigger problem. I had no idea uh, that it's Project Drawdown, one of the nonprofits studying global warming, says it's the you know fourth largest cause of global warming, which is just crazy. That, uh, Whoa, wait, 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 I have to understand that better. How, how is it the fourth largest cause? Well, what is it, what is it the you know, food waste, poor refrigeration, in inaccuracies. Why is that such a huge problem? Yeah, I mean, I think it's partly because everyone eats. Um, so there's a lot of food in the world. The supply chain's pretty large. It moves trillions of dollars worth of inventory every year. Part of it is that we're just so inefficient. We waste so much of what we produce. Apparently, we waste around 33% of all the food we make, which is like an astounding number. That's like, wow, one out of every three pounds of food that's made is thrown away. Um, and, you know, when you think about that at scale, given that we feed 9 billion humans, um, you know, I guess food waste as a country would be like the fourth largest emitter. Um, and, you know, the amount of land mass that's needed to grow that much food is like the size of all of Australia, the entire continent of Australia. So it's just a, it's just a large and broken uh, problem because the supply chain and the way in which food is consumed and, and sold has so much inefficiency in it. Refrigeration is one source. It's not the only part of the problem. Sure. It's one of the sources of waste. Cold chain or cold refrigeration supply chain is not available in a lot of the world. So you have a lot of spoilage and a lot of waste because of inadequate or unavailable cold chain. And we're trying to help make a dent in that by making refrigeration more efficient, more effective. We're trying to catch spoilage and loss, especially when it's happening uh, close to consumption. When product moves from the farm all the way down to the fork, a lot of the energy and a lot of the um, resources have already gone into making it. So if you're throwing product out right before people consume it, so much has already gone into getting it there. That steak or that sushi or that protein or that dairy is getting thrown out in the restaurant or the convenience store. It's just uh, it's extremely wasteful when you think about it from how much resourcing has gone into getting it there and getting it grown. And so we're trying to catch and reduce the storage and handling portion of the food waste problem. That's only one of the drivers, but it's um, it's a significant driver. And so um, that's kind of the scale. $1.6 trillion uh, worth of food thrown out every year, 9% in storage and handling. That's the $150 billion that we're going after with Derma. Incredible. Take me back to those founding days, the coming up with, you know, in hindsight, makes perfect sense, great thesis, a lot, you know, it makes it perfectly clear. It, it can, it couldn't have been that easy to unfold and uncover from the get-go. What, what was sort of your own ideation process like? Because you're also coming from a legal background and, you know, you, you get an entrance to tech, you realize that you can use tech for good, there's sustainability that's actually a big problem. And how do you actually combine all that to come up with an entrepreneurial thesis as a CEO? Yeah, it's definitely, it's a journey. You know, these things are iterative. The first idea we had in, um, in starting out to build tech for good in the food supply chain was around compliance and safety. We were trying to help eliminate uh, problems around uh, food safety and quality by replacing pen and paper 
logbooks with a mobile app. That was our first product, Co-Inspect, Collaborative Inspect. Mobile app with structured data and abilities to timestamp and catch, you know, and, and monitor stuff digitally instead of a clipboard. We scaled that to a few thousand locations and we discovered that most of what people were checking was the temperature. And so in the summer of 2019, we were watching users using this mobile app, our, our first product, and we realized that we weren't solving the problem that well. We were replacing a paper clipboard with a digital clipboard, but they still had to do this work every day. So they were going from doing it on a piece of paper to doing it on the mobile app or a tablet. And so that's when we started thinking, well, they don't really want to check this stuff. They're busy. They've got a lot of stuff going on and making them do it four times a day or eight times a day in some locations is still very inefficient. What if we could automate it? What if we could use sensors to replace the work entirely and make it continuous? And so we started thinking about using IoT sensors in summer of 19. We discovered that most businesses didn't have sensors deployed inside refrigeration because Wi-Fi and Bluetooth couldn't get a signal out reliably. The, the fridge or the freezer had a side with iron or steel or aluminum, and the side of the fridge or the freezer blocked Wi-Fi and Bluetooth signals. So we started thinking about maybe we can solve that and improve on that. We developed a new type of connectivity or we used a new type of connectivity protocol, a long-range radio, to develop a solution that uses radio as opposed to Wi-Fi and Bluetooth. So our sensors use LoRa, long-range radio, to push signal out of the inside of refrigeration. As we started putting these sensors in the world, two and a half years ago, in late 19, we discovered that we were helping businesses monitor and catch refrigeration failure. And by doing that, we were helping them reduce waste and reduce spoilage. And so we kind of stumbled into the problem around food waste because we were working on helping businesses catch and monitor refrigeration and replacing pen and paper first with a mobile app and then with sensors. And so we discovered that refrigeration monitoring mattered a lot to them because they wanted to reduce waste and also wanted to reduce refrigeration downtime. And that's another big source of emissions. Refrigeration has these chemicals inside called refrigerants. Well, when they leak in the atmosphere, they cause a lot of global warming. They're ultra-warming chemicals. And so by monitoring refrigeration, we were helping businesses reduce food waste and in some cases reduce refrigerant waste. And so we really discovered, wow, we're working on a climate problem. This is in 19. Um, and that's, that's when we started scaling. So Thermo went from, you know, 100 sensors to now over 10,000, couple of customers, wow. now over 1,000 customers. And so now we're growing. But we kind of, you know, stumbled into it, if you will. Now, if you if you're looking at this company, as I say, you know, it's it's sort of it's it's a very impact impact first, you know, type of company. Was that from the get go? Is that what you knew that you were going to position a company that has a very impact oriented vision rather than a business oriented vision? Because they they do go hand in hand, but always sort of there's there is an intent component to it that you as an entrepreneur need to bring to the table. So. You know, back then and today, are you with the same intent? And, and what intent is that? Yeah, we are uh, always, and I think we have always been interested in the impact side. Aaron, my co-founder, and I kind of decided to work together first at the GovLab. And then when we left to start Coinspiration, we wanted to work on tech that had some kind of social uh, significance that really solved major public problems. And the problems we were looking at were problems that we felt the private sector wasn't solving well. So they were originally around compliance and safety, and then increasingly around climate and sustainability. 
But the idea of helping improve the food supply chain uh, was really designed around, okay, this is an area that's both very inefficient, where businesses waste and lose a lot of money, and also one that we can do some good. That's been important to me since, you know, 10 years ago when I got into temp and I left government. And that's partly, I think, what brought me and Aaron together, both at the GovLab and then now, you know, as entrepreneurs. Now, I can imagine going to restaurants and selling them, you know, different IoT devices for their kitchen. I, I imagine that a lot of kitchens still today are pretty low tech in nature and they're very human oriented. What, what was the rece receptivity of Customers, I mean, obviously have more than a thousand different customers, so, so the, the reception is good, but, but what was sort of the relationship that you were feeling with customers as you were first rolling this out and testing? Yeah, well, I think we certainly had a lot of um, empathy for our customers and a lot of experience. Because of Coinspect, we've been working in the food industry for three years. We've been scaling and selling inter-food um, manufacturers, food distributors, and, you know, food service and retail. So we had gotten to know and spent a lot of time with restaurant owner operators, uh, you know, food service uh, owner operators, food manufacturers. I think I went to 40 states um, doing oh, wow. sales and meeting corporates and been to Walmart three times, McDonald's, Starbucks twice, Wendy's corporate, Denny's corporate twice. I've been to a lot of places that I'd never been to when I went to Harvard for college and law school and certainly very different parts of the country. But I think what we discovered with Therma was that we were solving a problem that was saving businesses money in a way that was very measurable. We were catching refrigeration equipment failure that was helping them reduce asset replacement and asset repair and helping them reduce food spoilage. And that's measurable. Those are dollars that they need. And so even though we started selling Therma at a really tough time, we started selling Therma in early 2020. Well, you might remember uh, a couple of months ago, closed. the world literally fell apart. COVID showed up and right. uh, restaurants and hospitality and retail companies were not exactly having an easy time. So the fact that we grew 3x in 2020 and again 3x in 21 was not easy. But I think what we discovered is we were solving a problem that businesses cared about and it created real ROI for them. We really saved them money. We also did it in a way that was easy to deploy. Our solution requires yeah. about 15 minutes to set up. There's no technician, wow. no installation. It's a drop and play solution. You hold up our mobile app, you label the sensors and you're done. And so and we don't charge for hardware and we don't charge for implementation. It's a pure SaaS model. It's an entirely subscription based. So solving a problem that's measurable, that saves them money, where the installation is easy, where there's not a lot of friction. And on top of that, having it be a climate win, having it be a sustainability win, that combination has made it attractive for big businesses and small. And so I've been very excited that we've been able to sign up, you know, operators of McDonald's, Pizza Hut, Domino's, Taco Bell, Starbucks, Burger King, Wendy's, and a bunch of others, and a bunch of independents. We've got food trucks, uh, mom and pop pizzerias, three location scoop shops, independent breweries. You know, these are really folks that are not super well-resourced. They don't have huge budgets. And so I'm really proud of that because I always wanted to build tech for good, but also make it accessible to people, you know, regardless of whether you're a big conglomerate or a small independent. And um, yeah, I guess the last thing I'll say about that, Michael, is I grew up in a farm town. I grew up in an ag town called Fresno. Um, and so I, I really had farms behind my house. We had like walnut orchards literally behind my home. I think I always had this appreciation for the food industry 
um, that it's, it's, it's important um, and it's everywhere. You know, we need food as one of the pillars of, of, of modern society, but it's kind of one of those areas that's considered unsexy. You know, most, most people I know don't want to think about it or don't really spend a lot of time worrying about how we get stuff from farm to forward. You know, uh, in places like San Francisco and New York, you know, you like eating fancy food and good food, but you don't have to think about how it gets there. And so I guess I've always had this kind of personal interest and appreciation just because I knew a lot of growers and a lot about ag. I love it. How do you get a thousand restaurants to hear about you? Well, what is it? You know, I'm coming from the deep tech scene, a lot of SaaS companies, you know, there's different, you know, go-to-market strategies that I could, that I could think of, but how do you go and create and, and sell a product? Probably one of the first IoT devices that, that a lot of restaurants uh, put into their kitchens. How do, how do you go and, and, and get it even in front of their eyes so that they can realize that they can not only make the world, you know, save food waste, but they can also save money along the way? Definitely something I spend a lot of time thinking about because now we're trying to get, you know, from 10,000 to 100,000 sensors. Um, I think there's a few different things that have worked well for us. One is um, e-commerce and, and online. We've actually had really good success with digital marketing and content. So we, we market and, 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 and advertise on uh, platforms like Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, uh, Google, of course. Uh, and so the, you know, the reality is a lot of our uh, buyers and a lot of our cons- customers are digital natives or are at least checking out technology digitally before buying. And so e-commerce has been a great way for us to drive, um, you know, traffic Same. to uh, ROI or landing pages with case studies or with testimonials where people can say, oh, that's a business like mine. Oh, that's a win. That technology might be applicable. It's also a really low friction way to get to people. Uh, it doesn't require a lot of, you know, uh, massive capital investment. And then we also have a traditional model. We have a direct sales team. Our direct sales team includes, um, you know, folks that are doing uh, lead generation, We've got people that are attending conferences. We go to about a dozen conferences a year. Uh, we do booths. Wow. Uh, we fly around the country. I told you I've been to a lot of states. Um, we definitely uh, do some outbound field selling for larger accounts. Um, that's what I think of as a traditional direct sales model. So we've got an e-commerce, digital marketing driven, go to market, and then a direct sales. Uh, and now we're starting to pursue channel partners. So now we're starting to work with some distribution. Uh, and channel partners that are looking to resell or cross-sell technology like ours that might have much larger armies or much larger footprints of customers. And we're starting to work with that as partners. But yeah, those are kind of the three ways we're going to market. My name is Niga. I love what you're doing with uh, with Therma. I, I love even more the journey that you're talking about, you know, going from one path in life, from one area to all of a sudden discovering this new, this new vertical and discovering technology, technology for good, and the Gulf Lab. And 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 then looking at at climate and going back to college and and figuring okay this is this makes sense with what I learned there and now I can actually leverage this for for restaurants and and build them some product but actually I'm stumbling onto something even greater that actually serves the purpose of of what I got excited about tech in the first place and now I can actually build a big massive company and I in a hundred and fifty billion dollar industry so uh, awesome journey I'm sorry that I left some pieces out in the summarization but but the that, that's what come out and it's a, it's a really inspiring journey. So thank you very, very much. And uh, best of luck with Therma. I'm going to continue cheering from the side. And uh, thank you very much. My pleasure. Thanks for the kind words. Um, if you want to check it out, hellotherma.com. 
Feel free to reach out to me, Monica at hellotherma.com. Thanks for having me, Michael. 